Welcome on in. Enswell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. Yes, yes, yes. You are indeed welcome on in. The very first episode of February 21. Boom! Now, I don't know, is it wishful thinking? I don't even know, is it an imagination brought on by delirious tendencies from lockdown? I don't know. But when I take a look at the diary, or when I look at the calendar, and there's a different name on the month other than January, it's a little bit of a stretch in the evenings. Am I losing it? Who knows? Probably. Whatever the case, whatever the weather, I hope this finds you safe, sane, and smiling. In a week, when I can now safely talk about Dennis Hogan versus Tim Zhu, European qualifiers for the Olympics, now gone from London. They'll be confirmed on February 17th as a new location, if indeed there is one at all. And Caleb Plant defends his IBF super middleweight title with a 12-round unanimous decision over Caleb Truax. We'll get into all that and then some. We'll have three guests for you to hear from. Two of them, they're almost part of the furniture here. They've been here that often. It's always great crack. I always give a good smile when I know they're coming on. But I do have to get a little bit psyched up and prepared because the amount of shit I get off Stevie in particular about United and Liverpool, it's it's, it's cruel at times. United will stay up there. And I think Liverpool wants to get over this new injury patch. It's going to be an exciting finish to the year with Premier League. And I think Liverpool's going to win it again. But I gotta say, all joking aside, these two fellas lit up the screens in December. Fighting out of the wild card gym under Freddie Roach. Fights out of Monaghan and Woodland Hills, California. He is four wins. He's only lasted one win start from McKenna. McKenna does it again. Another first round stoppage. Absolute sensational form. Sensational knockout wins. Stevie did two in a week. Aaron had one in a week. And Stevie announced the promotional deal with Mick Hennessy. And the two lads were on with me about three weeks ago to chat about that. I was very happy to, that Mick gave me the opportunity to fight in his show, so I'd like to thank him and Golden Boy. Yeah, it was a fantastic ending to the year with uh, three fights and uh, three knockouts. So. And the man with the plan, the driver of the operation, who had the foresight, the thought, to build the gym, then to think with the lads and talk with them and discuss and make the move, go with them, oversee the whole lot from jump, is of course their dad, their coach, their everything. It's Fergal McKenna. We try and mimic that 1980 style of fight. We're big fans of, of that era. You know, the Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, the Roberto Duran type fighters. we big believers and we think, you know, the fans need that. I have to be honest with you, when I got the opportunity to speak with Fergal, he doesn't speak very often. You don't hear the man do massive amount of interviews. It was fascinating. What an insight. And, and you get to see a little bit of, of what makes these lads tick and what keeps them going over those long, long weeks and months. Shoutouts for this week. Want to say a big happy birthday to Irish senior elite champion Chloe Gabriel. Celebrated a a special one this week as well. So I want to give a shoutout to my neighbour, Paul McDonnell, who's um, in the middle of a fundraiser right now. He's doing it for the Matter Hospital. He's doing 100k in a month. So good luck to you, Paul. More power to you. No better fella to do it. Want to say a big to John May. The actor across there in Liverpool, mate, you have brightened my week. I can tell you, Saturday, Sunday weren't the best. Uh, no particular reason, no big deal happened across the two lads. Jazz, of course, was introducing John on his feed. Anyways, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to put the link for the note today in the notes today for Turkey. Some of the characters that, that John May has created. I guarantee you this much, you'll have a sore side from laughing at me. <laughs> and their podcast... How are you, Famalam? Which will be kicking off really soon. So I'm going to put the link, as I said, for John and Jazza below in the notes today. How are How are Give a shout out and, and you got to get along and have a look at Ali McKenzie's second episode in the series of Fights That Define Me. It had only been two years since Andy Lee had fought and fell short in his world title bid against Julio Cesar Savage Jr. But after the passing of long-time mentor and trainer Emmanuel Stewart, Lee had relocated to England. Incredible. This week was Andy Lee. You have to hear it. Again, I'll put the, I'll put the link below, but it's special stuff and, and Ali, you're just, you're just 
resetting the bar every time. And last but not least, I want to give a mention, of course, to Paul and Abby Goodman down there in Limerick. You'll remember Abby was on here just after the Christina Lindratu fight. She had been at the fight and it just made her day and life and year almost at that stage. So they're doing a fundraiser for the memory of their late great granddad. And um, best of luck to them. If you can get along to them, have a look at them on their on their Facebook page. You'll see all the fundraisers, the GoFundMe and everything else. 120k in a month. Abby, you may give him a piggyback because I'm not sure he does. Something I have never been any good at is asking for help, reaching out. The growth, success and development of this little podcast is down to you listening to me each week, supporting, encouraging, getting behind. Go fund me, crowdsource, Patreon, the likes, not for me. But what I will ask, and what I am asking you now is, once you finish listening to this, please leave a review, put the old five stars or whatever it is, simply just share the link. I'm asking each person who downloads, listens, this episode and each other episode please share it and share the love I think from what I can gather and some of the messages and some of the stuff that I was reading online and there or thereabouts the last few days and week it's um, people have felt the pinch I think more so last week than any other and uh, I definitely did myself a couple of days where I had a little bit of just uh, almost had the knuckle in my mouth at one stage chewing down on it but you gotta just I suppose take that and and I think what I'm beginning to be able to do now is recognise that, look, today might not be one of those best, most productive days. So I'm just going to do whatever I can do and get on with it and, and accept that it's probably not going to be the happiest, cheeriest, best day, but we'll do what we can. So full disclosure here. Episode was recorded, wasn't fully edited, it was in the can, the interview was ready. Had it all ready to go for Wednesday, there or thereabouts. And I started to think... Everybody around boxing is familiar with the episode of, of Panorama that went out on Monday night. And, and my initial reaction was, look, I'll leave that alone. There'll be enough discussions about it. But I kind of thought then, and I think it'd be cheating not to give uh, an opinion on it or, or just my own opinion on it. Um, Panorama and the likes, I've stopped watching over the years because... You'd have hopes of, of, um, when the, when the Catholic Church were exposed, when, when the royal family members were exposed for being pedophiles. And you would hope and have hoped at the time that a program carry, if it carried any real substance or any real investigative qualities, it would unearth, expose and sort. At least strip them back enough so that they would be sorted. The Jimmy Savile thing was never dealt with. BBC is never dealt with. So, I wasn't expecting to see or hear anything that I hadn't heard on Monday night. Now, the very first uh, clips of the programme, when I saw Nicola Talent, I knew exactly what was coming. I knew exactly that we were getting a repeat, rinse and repeat version of the podcasts and the newspaper articles and the constant Twitter feed. So I watched the rest of it. And as I said, I've heard all the stories before. I've heard all the... Allegations have heard all this, the 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 good and the bad. My, as I've said before, my my take on all of this is: is if there are the goings on that that are alleged, and if all that is happening, well, then it's up to the powers that be. It's up to the legal people. It's up to the lawmakers, and it's up to the justice enforcers to do something about it. The fact that they call somebody whose credibility and reputation is in shreds who will never, ever be looked at again in the same way as he was once in boxing, kind of just shot. It was like a gun going off into your own foot. Shot themselves in the foot. Uh, Poor thinking. It was poor taste, poor quality, and it was something that you'd expect from RTE, if I'm being honest. Cheap and tacky. Um, So, all in all, I didn't learn anything. It hasn't changed any of my thoughts on this, but... What I, I just thought that if I didn't, if I wasn't to broach the subject and just give a little bit of a synopsis and a little bit of a thought on it, well, then it'll be, I'd be dodging, I'd be sitting on a fence, and there's enough of that going on here, isn't there? So, boxing for me does far more good than it could ever do bad in this country and the farther. It goes into communities where the likes of rugby, GAA, and different sports don't want to know about. 
that don't want to know about because there's no status in there for them and it might be below them. Boxing gives those people, those children and those humans, those people, those adults, gives them something to do when they don't have anything else to do. And for that, it'll always be my number one choice. It'll always be the sport that can give everybody and anybody an even and equal opportunity. Now, as we're talking about humble and honest and decent and hardworking and focused and driven, what better time to start talking about my pal, the main man, the Hurricane, Dennis Hogan, announced during the week that he will face Tim Zhu in his next fight. I've been sitting on this news for the last, I don't know how long, afraid of my absolute life to even think about it. I do not ever want to be the fella to drop the clangor and and, uh, let the cat out of the bag before the fight is announced. They've been negotiating it for a while and I've been chatting to Paul Keegan in the background with DDP. I've been chatting to Wayne and Dennis, of course, and uh, it's been close for a while. And I kind of, I can't help but get the feel. Look, let's get the cards on the table here from the jump. I'm biased. There's not going to be a fair shake given here. I'm going to be in Team Hogan all the way. And we're going to get a very, very close look behind the curtain. We're going to have a chat with Dennis and all his team. And we're going to have different points in the build-up to it. It is on March 31st. And it's a big, big fight. Huge fight. Not just for Tim Zhu or not just for for Australian boxing. Because they've had big ones up to now. But this, this is more relevant and more important than... I would say anything they've had in the last in the last two three years. Now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overstretching it. But correct me if I am. There's been a phenomenal amount of hype around him, Zoo. Silly, silly amount of hype. I would have to say. And I'm not just saying that because it's Dennis he's fighting. I want to say his best win, his only real standout win in his career, which is only three years old. He's three, he turned he turned pro three years ago. So. Put it into context, his best win, of course, came over the Hornet, Jeff Horn, which was in August, just gone, 2020. And um, it was it was one of those performances where everything Tim did worked. And Jeff just was not in... He, I gotta be, I gotta be mindful and respectful because I've got a lot of respect and love for Tim, for Jeff Horn. Um, but I think it's plain from all the stories I've heard and everything that I've seen... Um, Jeff, Jeff wasn't particularly motivated for that fight and it showed. The resulting, the result being, he was in front of Tim to be hit from the first bell to the last when it eventually got pulled out, I think, in round seven. It was pitiful and it was sad to see and, and, and I never like to see because don't forget, this is a man who lit up the boxing world by beating Manny Pacquiao only about six years ago. Now, for me, it's wrong to keep referring back to that and say, don't forget this is the guy that beat Manny because boxers can age overnight. They can age overnight from one fight to the next. And, and as I said, it was, it was, it was, um, he was there for Tim to hit and Tim hit him, hurt him and ultimately beat him up. Now, Tim's next fight, of course, all the casuals. Now, if you think the casuals here in Ireland are bad, if you think the casuals in the UK are bad or America, Guys, you gotta hear these. Some of the stuff they were expecting after one creditable win. I mean, some of the wins, I'm gonna show a little bit of tape later on. I'm gonna put out some clips. Some of the wins that Tim has got, dubious to say the least. I mean, there's lads falling down that weren't even hit at times. I'm not doubting that Tim Zoo is a phenomenal prospect. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the fight after Jeff and everyone is shouting for a world title, which just doesn't make sense either. He fights a guy called Bone Morgan. Now, Bone Morgan is a former sparring partner of Jeff, of Tim's. He blew him out. He smashed him in less than a round. The first round, gone. A lot of ridicule about it. The real fight fans knew what they saw. This was a, this was a piss take. So, what does he do from there? Where does he go from there? Well, right now he's in a contract to fight with our man, Dennis Hogan, who you're going to hear from in the next episode or so. he's uh, He's been in camp for the last month. And of course he was in camp before that for the fight with J-Rock Williams. Well, of course J-Rock got COVID, didn't he? <laughs> we'll get into that someday. We'll chat about that. Remind me about that one someday. I'll tell you that story. Any old how. He's now 
a month into camp. The pocket rocket, I believe, will be over there very, very soon. And he's got about 10 weeks, 11 weeks till fight night. Now, this fight for Dennis is, it's a brilliant, brilliant fight. I genuinely believe, take the bias out of it, take anything out of it. I spent two nights looking a little bit past the Jeff Horn win to see some of the fights that, that Tim has had. And there's nothing there to suggest that he's any way close to being ready for Dennis. So let me give you a little bit of a rundown, a little bit of a synopsis on who is Tim Zhu? He's a son, of course, of the all-star, Hall of Fame superstar Costa Zhu, born in Australia, moved back to Russia, then moved back to Australia. He's 17 and all, as I said, he's only turned pro three years ago. His fight as last two were Bowen Morgan and Jeff Horn. Before that, he fought Jack Brubaker, who, of course, beat Dennis on a, a decision. He fought Dwight Ritchie, the late, the late great Dwight Ritchie. He fought Joel Camilleri. Decent wins. Decent wins against respectable opponents. And if you haven't seen Tim Zhu, because a lot of people, a couple of people, shout out to Gary Wilmot, I said he, he hadn't really heard much either about Tim until he boxed Jeff Horn. So, so if you haven't seen Tim Zhu fight and don't know what to expect, as I said, he is the son of Hall of Famer Costa Zhu. He talks about a military upbringing and a military style of childhood where his dad's regimental training was, was all he saw and heard and more or less lived by. He was a gymnast. He was a footballer. And he tried all that stuff up until about the age of 13. And then he jacked it all in. Moved to Australia. Moved back to Russia, sorry. And um, then he decided to take up boxing at about the age of 15 or so. A couple of years out. Had 30-odd amateur fights. Nothing massive. Turned pro when he was 22. He's 17 and on now. Um, many experts, as I, I use that word lightly, um, felt that he wasn't really going to go anywhere. He wasn't really going to do anything. Jeff Fennick in particular was quite... Um, Quite, well, he was no doubt whatsoever. It was, he just wasn't going to be good enough to beat Jeff Horn. Nobody expected Jeff to be the way he was in that fight. Nobody. And that's not to take, well, take what you like from Tim. Uh, Jeff just wasn't Jeff that night. And Tim was Tim. And he got the win, moved on from it. Uh, style wise, you can, he's a seek and destroy sort of fighter. He's a puncher. He's got very good power. Uh, he's very cerebral. Very, very cerebral. Thinks his way through fights, likes to, um, he's fit. He leans and likes to work very much on the inside. Very, very does, does most of his damage on the inside. Um, and he likes his opponents to be there in front of him to hit. Everything set up comes off the jab. And, um, he likes to take a few rounds at the beginning of every, he, he likes to take a few rounds at the beginning of each fight to read the fighter, to ease his way in and to grow into the fight. And eventually try and wear down and beat up on his opponent. Dennis Hogan represents a monumental step up in class in all aspects of the game. He won't be able to get into his head. He won't be able to bully him. He certainly won't have Dennis in front of him to do what he likes with when he likes. What's he going to do when there's an opponent is not there to hit? I don't know. I don't know because he's that inexperienced. He's that young what I can draw reference to is look back to the great Costa Zoo, and he was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, what happened when Ricky Hatton took his jab away? It is going to be a fun build-up because the boy can talk. Look, I was just getting started. Uh, you know, I just never gave him the opportunity. You guys know what's next, and that's the world title here in Sydney, in Australia. And let's, let's, let's do ten times the size of this, you know? And for all the talk in the world and all the hot air and all the gusto and bravado, when you look at Dennis Hogan's last five or six opponents, Jermel Charlo for the world title, Jaime Munguia, of course, where he won the title, but was fitted up, shall we say. Jamie Weech before that, world number 15, and he took the Pacific Champion title that night as well. Jimmy Kelly, he boxed for the WBO Intercontinental Champion, ranked number three in the world. And you Yuki Nanaka, world number seven for the WBO international ranking points as well that night. So a stark contrast in opponents, in levels, in everything else. And let's just see how much talking the boy can do when the hurricane takes the wind over sails. Before I get into this first interview, I want to give a shout out and a big thanks to Rachel Charles across there in LA. Um, she's, of course, the media guru 
that is at Shear Sports Management. She looks after, she has she has worked with Jason Quigley. She looks after the the McKenna brothers. She looks after Brett McGinty. She looks after all the all the fighters that sign in and around Shear Sports and and some more, a lot of the Golden Boy fighters and that. So uh, I didn't get to talk to the lads in the run up to their fights. It was just hectic, manic. The fact that they were back boxing this side of the the, the Atlantic, and Rachel just said, "Look, I'll get them to you as soon as we can after the fights." Was perfect. I know you weren't feeling too well just after Christmas, Rachel, so hope you're doing better now. Big up to you and thanks very much. Our first guest today, you don't hear from too often. You hear about, you hear him referred to, you hear him, see him in the background and you know that his presence is so vital and has been such a, so impactful on Aaron and Stephen's career. I am, of course, talking about their dad, their coach, instigation, the motivation, the inspiration behind the story that is Aaron and Stephen McKenna. So when I got an opportunity to speak with him, jumped at it. And I think you're going to enjoy this one. Was there any concerns about the length of time out of the ring or in case of getting them out there and, and it'll be just to resume where they left off? Well, we just focused on on being ready. So when there was an opportunity to arise, we, we made sure that we would uh, were planning to be ready for it. So we never ever took our foot off the pedal and kept preparing as if we were in training camp mode. And, you know, we didn't uh, get into a situation where we overtrained. We we done a lot of practices. We practiced, uh, you know, our, on our weaknesses and uh, and made, uh, you know, our boxing, you know, better. So when you seen the boys towards the end of the year, you seen the way they fought. There was an immense improvement in both of them because of what we'd done. And, you know... We were so fortunate, you know, that McKenzie came along at the right time because it has given Stephen a great opportunity now to, uh, you know, to get to where he needs to go. You know, I've no doubt Stephen will become a world champion, particularly under McKenzie's directive. He's a real shrewd boxing promoter. With Mick, there's an awful lot more output than talk. Look at the fighters that have signed there now. You've seen Shaq and Pitters, you've seen Stephen coming in, quite a few others. It's exciting times. Their style is made for TV. One of the things that jumped out off the screen at me was not just visually, but the sound of the shots the lads were landing. There was a malice, there was a, there was an aggression, but it was a controlled aggression. It's the, the benefits of, of having your own facility and, and the forethought of building that and all that, they really, really came into their own this year. Absolutely, yeah. When we were in Los Angeles... We were training, you know, the same way as we train here. But because of the travel and, and the time it takes to go from gym to gym, uh, you don't get the same amount of recovery. So what we noticed here was <clears throat> because we trained, you know, in the, in the gym at the back of the house here, we had a lot of recovery time. And it really benefited us that we could train even longer and harder. We try and mimic that 1980 style of fight. We're big fans of of that era, you know, the Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, the Roberto Duran type fighters. We big believers, and we think you know the fans need that. You know, sometimes when you watch a lot of the you know the fights nowadays, you know they're hard to watch. They're uh, so disciplined. They're so born that, uh, you know, most of the fights I see nowadays, I don't even watch them because they're, they're, there's no entertainment in them. Fighting's all about getting, the you know, the knockout. If you can't get the knockout, then, you know, you, you, you go for the points decision. But it should always be exciting. And the day that you lose that excitement, you know, you're far better off maybe doing something else because boxing's, uh, you know, a tough game and it's very demanding. You could never have envisaged what went on the last twelve months. Nobody could, I guess. But yeah, of course. Well, we we love what we're doing, and that's half the battle. You see, so when when you're working at something that you know that you totally enjoy every day, you do it. Uh, you've really nothing to worry about. So that's that's one of the things that we've noticed that uh, leaves it that wee bit easier for us, and. The boys, as I was saying before, you know, they train immensely hard. We, we do a lot of repetitive type training. And sometimes it could come across as boring, but only if you make it boring. We we sort of keep, you know, changing it and making it, uh, you know, that you know the, the training sessions so that they don't become, you know, uh, a, a boring session. We, we keep changing things around, but it's constantly repetitive all the time, just repeating the same skills over and over and over 
and making them better and better. It's fascinating to see the two totally different styles, but the one thing that they have the same is the attitude, the approach. It's a breath of fresh air, I would say. You're absolutely right. When you look at Stephen, and he's fighting, you know, when he's learning the trade, he, he, he's fighting, you know, these tough journeymen. And believe you me, they're tough. Mm. They're as tough as, as you can get. You know, to stop them sort of type journeymen, it's an art in his own. And you might hear some people say, oh, he's better going for a pints decision and learn the trade. Stephen learns the trade, you know, in training camp. In between fights, we're possibly doing anywhere up to 150, 180 rounds of sparring. And the sparring's just equally as tough as the fights. So the learning is done in the sparring. What what we try to inject into the boys is get the knockout. It's it's like teaching somebody how to knock out someone. So if you start a fighter off and he's used to winning on points and he, he goes through his first half a dozen fights and he, he's he's never got a knockout he, he might never get a knockout because a, a knockout is something you have to feed a boxer so with Stephen he's had seven KOs out of his seven fights so you know some of them fights we could have went out and says uh, you know let's do six rounds and, and learn but we believe we're learning more by going for the KO because you need that killer instinct if you don't have that killer instinct when you fight the best fighters in the world and inject that fear into them. Uh, if you have that mentality of I'm going to go out here and win in pints, you need Mike Tyson sort of attitude where you scare the different daylights out of them. Before the fight starts, knowing that the boy he's going to go in against is going to try and knock him out. So we come in with that attitude, and it's the same with Aaron. He, uh, first and foremost in his mind, is get the KO. He's a very technically skilled fighter. And he does things differently. He'd break down a fighter more than Stephen. Stephen just goes for the juggler straight away, where Aaron will be, uh, you know, tactful in, in his approach. And he's very accurate with his shots. Doesn't maybe hit as hard, but uh, very, very accurate and places his shots well. And I think that was very evident as well in his debut when when I was I think it was Aaron's debut when the fella came out and decided he was going to try and he was going to do he was going to try and all man him and and almost you could almost see that light bulb clicking. And I think what makes it a little bit more intriguing, Fergal, is as well. There's no there's no BS around it. It is what it is. They come out. They're pleasant. They're polite. They do their media. They talk. But there's no you don't go overboard. There's a lot to be said for the old style approach. Get in, get your work done, and let your fist do the talk. Absolutely. Well, you know that that fighter he's going into the ring. He's the boy that has to produce the goods. He's the boy that has to do what he said he's going to do. So if 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 you if you have the wrong mannerism or or you're selling yourself in a way that you're trying to fool your opponent, it doesn't wash. The minute you know the two fighters meet, you know at the weigh-in, the minute they look into each other's eyes. The, the fooling's over. You can tell by looking into a fighter whether he has trained properly. You can tell by looking at his body whether, whether he has pre- prepared, you know, the right way. So when the boys go in there in, in, in that fight zone, straight away they're examining the fighter. They're, they're, you know, using their awareness to see exactly, you know, what level that fighter is on and they're making judgments of how to beat him. They don't really have to do any talking because... You know, talking is a camouflage if mm. you if you haven't prepared properly. So you'll use maybe talking to intimidate or to scare or to manipulate your opponent if you haven't prepared properly. So the boys don't need to go down that road. Uh, you know, they just they just do the business in the ring and do their talking in the ring, and it it comes across well. And their mannerism is catching on to the to the fight fans. The fight fans appreciate that that uh, approach that they use and so far so good Rachel Charles doesn't talk too often so when you see her putting stuff on social media and she's saying she's excited about this and excited about that you know there's something the wheels are moving in the background and that's they know what they've got and you know what you've got so it's just it's it's exciting times ahead in a year as I said to the lads where a lot of people were stood still they weren't able to do anything you guys have not only moved forward you've improved and you're now looking forward to stepping up another level or two yeah, Rachel has done great work with the boys. She she has really in in the way that suits their fighting style and their their mannerism established characteristics of the lads, and she's used that to present them PR way that it that suits them. She doesn't overdo it. She just does it perfectly. And if you look from the very start of the boys' careers, I, I don't think you would see boys as well publicised as two McKenna lads were. 
as a coach and as a dad the decision for the lads to change from amateur to pro their styles now everybody can see why why they went when they did but it's a difficult move at the same time at any time for a young fella to go into that that to the sport with all the pitfalls and all the trappings but it must have been an awful lot I, want, I don't even want to use the word easier it, it, it just made them a little bit more secure knowing that they had you guys around them uh, you know I remember quite vividly you know when we were making the decision to turn pro Aaron was like only 17 years of age uh, you know a lot of the people that was involved in boxing in my circles a lot of them were all saying that we were mad you know 99% of the people were saying that it was a wrong decision it was a bad decision but we believed you know, and what we were doing and the direction we were going. And we stuck to our guns. And it's proven now that when you look back, that it was a very wise decision. Uh, we were very fortunate, you know, uh, done what we'd done. Because who would want to be involved in amateur boxing just at the moment where there's there's really no future in amateur boxing? There, you know, the, the, the Olympics mightn't even go ahead. It's, it's on a tight wire at the moment. Uh, a lot of them amateur kids, they're not getting any fights. They're not even allowed to train. And it's a very unfortunate situation to be in because there's an immense amount of talent out there that's going to be overlooked. And, uh, you know, on our travels to L.A., it was absolutely brilliant. It was a, a life experience that, you know, not too many get the privilege to experience. The one thing I would say is... Uh, you know, bearing in mind the age of the lads, they would have probably struggled if, if if I hadn't been around because it's not as easy as what it looks. It's a, it's a tough place. It's a tough environment to be in. The the boxing gyms would eat you alive. Uh, there's no easy way of, of looking at it. If you're on your own over there, it, it would be a very difficult place to be in. So you need you need a strong team around you. You need to be very mentally strong. And, and ready for the challenge so uh, it it's really benefited us in that we have like served our apprenticeship the, you know the lads have done you know almost three years over there and uh, it's proven really really beneficial it's hard to put your finger on that one thing but without a doubt they were they came at the back of a year when people were uh, people were almost watching and hoping and you could you could see the reaction you could gauge the reaction across twitter social media the reaction was there you could see it and that's that's what you want leave them wanting more could we hope to see see them out early enough in the new year yeah absolutely well uh, Stephen has uh fight dates in uh, i think the first outing is going to be in march nothing is confirmed yet but that's the speculation uh, with Aaron, we're waiting on Golden Boy to uh, uh, give Aaron a date. It's only a matter of time. We're still in uh, that uh, department of uncertainty, you know, with flight restrictions, uh, you know, and travel restrictions. That we are, you're, you're in no man's land, really, where you don't really know if you can get into America or not. So it's it's very hard to pin down a date in America. And uh, the only way you can get fighting in America is if you have a fight date. If there is options here for Aaron to fight while we're here, we'd only be too gladly take them under Golden Boy's directive. With Golden Boy, we're going to see a change, aren't we? We're going to see a shift in the whole order of things. I think so, yeah. They're going to be looking at their young prospects coming through now and there's going to be openings for young lads that manage to break through into the next into the next level. Ryan Garcia has been a breath fresh air for Golden Boy. He he went in and produced the goods. He beat Luke Campbell. He was very impressive looking at it. Done everything it said it was going to do. It was a, a very exciting fight to watch. If we ever see Stevie in the ring with Ryan Garcia and he has him in a position Luke Campbell had last week, he doesn't let a fellow off when he has him on the hook. And that is what you said. It's trained from the day one. That would be a massive fight. You know, if we ever got the opportunity... We would take that, you know, if somebody said to us tomorrow, would you fight Ryan Garcia, you know, in, in six weeks' time? Of course, we'd take it. Uh, you know, we feel and we know that uh, Stephen would beat him, just particularly because of Stephen's fighting style. Ryan Garcia gets it really difficult to fight them, aggressive style fighters, them come forward fighters that's coming in loading up with punches because. It's either Ryan Garcia knocks you out or you knock Ryan Garcia out. So that's the air of excitement that that fight brings. And Ryan would know that. And he probably be a bit uncomfortable knowing that uh, the guy in front of him is trying to knock him out. 
particularly if they're an aggressive style fighter, that can rough you up and make you feel uncomfortable in there. Another layer that the lads have of the benefit of working with yourself all the way through, but they've worked with the likes of Freddie, they've worked with Buddy, they've worked with Garcia's, they've worked with some incredible names. So they're they're just it's adding layers all the time, isn't it? And being able to draw on them then when they're needed. Yeah, well, you can see that the Ryan Garcia with Eddie has developed that wee bit of punching power the same in the same uh, level as what sort of Canelo is. So Canelo has the same sort of leverage and power in his punches. So you can see that coming out in Ryan Garcia with with uh, with the boys and and what they've learned over in America. It's something similar. Uh, you know, they've learned that if you hurt a fighter, take them out of there very very fast because. A hurt fighter can come back and, mm-hmm. and survive and end up beating you. So you, you don't want to, when you have all the advantages and, and you have somebody hurt, uh, our motto would be, you know, lay it all out on the table. There's a lot of new eyes coming that are realising now and that are being surprised and excited by them. I'm sure they still excite you on a daily basis because that's that's what talent does. It excites, it lifts people off their seats. What I'm trying to say is well, it's no surprise that with the talent that they have, the experience that they're gaining, as you say, when, when they are then put pushed back a little bit and asked a few more questions, the answers are just going to get more and more resounding. Thank you all, yeah. really appreciate that. It's, it's like everything else. You're, you'll only see what you've really got as the boys develop and they develop the, the uh, characteristics of what it's like to be put under pressure and what way they're going to react to it and how they're going to handle it. I can see Stephen uh, pushing for a fight with Conor Ben. I think that would be a very mm-hmm. exciting fight, uh, you know, to take him to world level. So that'd be a fight we'd be very much interested in. Uh, with Aaron, we're looking, uh, you know, we can see Aaron taking on, uh, if he's still around, Patrick Tacteria. He's a golden boy fighter, and he's the world champion at £154. So them's fights that in the very near future we'd be, we'd be hoping to, uh, you know, to get a hold of. And thank you, Fergal. It's easy to see why the lads are so grounded, driven, focused, motivated. And what a line. I had no title for the episode until I listened back and was editing this conversation with Fergal. Talking is camouflage if you haven't prepared properly. In terms of news and reliable, relevant and kind of substantial information this week, there's not a whole lot been happening. The usual, as I said, I've I've touched on the, the MTK thing on Monday night. Just, it is what it is now. It's up to each individual, I suppose, to take what they will of it. And the casuals will most certainly rug out to town with it, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the WBA, of course, were at their, their old shenanigans during the week. They've had a real, they've had a real week of, of making, um, I don't know what you'd call it, a shit show, I suppose, for want of a better word. They have seen fit to relegate Manny Pacquiao from their regular champion to champion in recess whatever that means, and apparently the reason for that is because he hasn't been fighting. He hasn't been fighting, and he's in the middle of a lockdown, so mm, doesn't seem to matter to the WBA. They're making up their own rules as they go along, which they've probably done all the time. They've promoted Ugas to be the regular champion. No doubt he has a fight in the pipeline due to come up. Didn't seem to bother them that they had met a, an ass and asked themselves at that one. They went one further, and they banged the despicable Don King drum. Two days before what was titled as a, as a heavyweight title fight uh, between Manuel Char and Trevor Bryant, King was up to his old tricks again. Uh, Char was due to travel from Germany, I believe. He's Lebanese, I think, or Syrian by, by nationality. He was due to travel to America to fight Trevor Bryant for a version of the WBA heavyweight champion. And Don King decided to weave his wand work his magic, refused to sign papers. As a result, Char could not travel, which meant King had an opening on his title, on his bill. For the title, in comes Bermaine Stiverne, as usual. And as usual, he loses. What else is there to say about that? The fact that Don King is still involved in boxing is as big a slur as, as anything else that Panorama could, could throw at boxing. And the fact that he's still able to pull off stuff like that and that the WBA are still dancing to his tune, it's hard to defend. It's impossible to defend. But as I said, watch this space. Not a whole lot else going on. Not a whole lot else in the news term. There's a lot of renewals of contracts and talk of fights abroad again. But 
let's just wait and see if anything materialises before we start talking or looking into them in any great substance. I will be doing a little bit of work going going forward with the brilliant Johnny Hipwell from irishboxing.com. Reached out to me last week. We've had some great conversations due to get if can't we can't sit down obviously we'll either get a phone call or a zoom call in so expect a little bit of an overlap between irishboxing.com and Enswell boxing and what a proud achievement that will be what another step up to, to be associated with a brand and let's face it irishboxing.com has been keeping irish fight fans and fighters alike informed for i would say the best part of 20 years so thanks to johnny for getting in touch looking forward very much so to chatting with working with and dealing with the lads going forward it's been well documented by now that for many fighters, their plans, their careers, their hopes, their dreams and everything were, were more or less paused last year and have for many still been paused, remained in that suspended limbo ever since. As usual in this business, only the toughest survive and many, many are struggling, many are done, many are in two minds what to do, but we've seen these two fellas come in from the cold after almost a year of inactivity and deliver such devastating knockout performances live on terrestrial UK TV. That in itself should tell you that there's an awful lot more than toughness about Aaron and Stephen McKenna. And I got stuck in to chatting with the lads by asking them if they got a chance to take a bit of a break following those incredible shows on Channel 5. We, we go straight back into the gym, just running and our strength work. We took a break out from boxing and We'll be starting now or official camp now on Monday. How are you keeping, Aaron? How are you doing, my man? Not too bad. Yeah, it was uh, great to get the fight and I was glad to get it and did it in good good fashion as well, so I was delighted with that. Yeah, great, a great connect as well, a great hook up there with Mick Hennessy. So you're in safe hands there and, and what was that like for you? Yeah, I was very happy to get the fight in the Hennessy Sports Show because this uh, year, you know, where it was hard to get fights and we couldn't, we can't go back to America because of the travel ban. So I was very happy to, that Mick gave me the opportunity to fight in his show. So I'd like to thank him and Golden Boy for giving me the opportunity to fight in that show. Well, I know when Rachel started messaging, that, putting out these social media, these cryptic messages about big things happen. She doesn't talk too often so when she does you know there's something going on in the background. It was great to see then when all the pieces start moving and click together. I think with Stevie, I'll get to in a minute, it, it, it's kind of more out there but I think Stevie likes it. When he's there he talks and everything. but with yourself Aaron, you were, you kind of arrive under the radar, you deliver that stunning performance yet again and it was almost like somebody just paused on your last one. It was, it must have felt good just to... to yeah, after a year out of the ring uh, I thought it would have been a bit more rustier but... We've been training away all year, so we have even after the whole lockdown, we we have the gym here, so we we can train like it's a normal training camp. So nothing really affected us training wise. And then in March, I was supposed to fight in America, and then that's when this virus hit and we headed home. But um, yeah, it was great to get in the ring again, and it feels so good to get punching again. And and how different, Stevie, from your point of view? First of all, it's was congratulations to you, mate, on the big news. It's another brilliant box ticked in the career. You've got a brilliant promoter behind you. You've got a brilliant management team. You've, you've created a little uh, rivalry for yourself during the year as well with the Queen himself, whatever you want to call him. I don't want to talk about him too much. It was a brilliant finish to an, a year that was almost stagnating, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fantastic ending to the year with uh, three bites and uh, three knockouts. And it's going to be a huge year this year. McKenzie's going to take me to the top. and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go a little bit further and I'm going to say I think you're going to take me I think you're going to go together it's an exciting team it's an exciting combination plus it's on terrestrial TV as well it's allowing all the fans over here to see a little bit more of ye it's hard to plan too far ahead I guess but will it be eventually the hopes and, and the plans to, to team back up with Freddie at some point yeah once everything uh, clears off we'll be looking go back back in with Freddie as well so we'll be over and back a lot but me fighting here in the UK and Aaron fighting over in the US we'll be over and back and we're just going to have to wait and see what happens once everything uh, the travel restrictions are lifted but you're kind of in a bubble most of the time anyways aren't you with the gym behind the house and everything so it, it works good from that way yeah it works really well for us we don't have to go anywhere because we have the gym here at the back of the house we have everything here for us or strength work and our running so we just uh, stay in our bubble and we, we stay ready and stay ready for anything. So, yeah. so uh, whenever a fight date comes up, we'll be ready for it. We uh, spar with each other as well. So we don't have to travel anywhere looking for sparring. And uh, we're good for each other. We're good. We're lucky that we have each other to train with and my dad as well. 
the last while I'm after building a nice little connection there with the Walshes across in Norwich and uh, Ryan and Liam and older brother Michael it's it's very very rare in boxing but they said the exact same thing their dad passed away a couple of years ago but his message to them was individually you're good but together you're unbeatable I remember asking you lads in the very first interview do we think we'll ever see you on the same show we, we kind of hoped and, and, and guessed we might see it but to see it actually come to fruition on TV how, how special was that? It was a special night for both of us to fight on the same card for the first time as uh, professionals. Uh, unfortunately, there was uh, no crowd there, but we, we were on TV, Channel 5, we got great exposure. But uh, we're looking forward to many more nights like that. You know, both of us fighting on the same card. Hopefully someday for world titles. No, There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. What do you think? Liverpool, it's, it's just getting better and better. And even with the crisis going on, you're still picking up the wins. You're still there, and and it's it's to be in the, in that position, isn't it? When 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 it comes around, and when the push comes for the finish line, hit a bit of a rough uh, patch now with uh, injuries and that. So we'll have to get ourselves back in our feet and string string get together a few wins now. But hopefully, once when Jake and Matt comes back, we'll be back. You know, is he close to? Normal. I I don't think so, but we're uh, we're still first at the minute and. Yeah, teams like United are up there with us, so it's you know we we have to stay on our toes and be ready. We can't let these Europa League teams be close to us. I was wondering how long it'd take. <laughs> of course, it's great to see the progress and to see, but you'd be naive to think that it's not still Liverpool's to lose. As I said before, if United aren't going to win it, I've no qualms with Liverpool winning it, but I want to be the team to beat them. There's no doubt United won't be the team anyway. If there's going to be a team to beat Liverpool this year, it's going to be Man City. Mm. With the form they've been in this last few games, their defence has tightened up a lot. I think they're the only team that can give Liverpool problems. And they've definitely rebuilt. They've gone through that cycle as well. Liverpool or City have had to replace company. They've replaced Silva. They've had to replace... They need to get Aguero back firing now. The only thing I'd say about United and Liverpool, for me, as a lifelong United fan, it's they're the two biggest games of the season, without doubt. You can take City, you can take all these other teams, but for me... It's always the derby game as United-Liverpool. It'll be fascinating to watch. It'll bring a little bit of excitement into a sporting world that's gone a bit... It's gone a little bit uh, fanboyish, isn't it? Can we can we talk about fanboys? Should we should we mention them? <laughs> Makes my toes curl looking at commentators and listening to them. What is is it me? Am I am I just not getting it? Am I just <laughs> am I just out of touch, or is it just is it just cringy? I, I just wanted Luke Campbell just to do what every genuine boxing fan in the world to do and just turn that screw. Yeah. Um, what what do you th- what do you make of it all, Stevie? They're saying there's two different personalities. There's two different fellas. I I'm not buying that either. Yeah, no, nah, he's just you know that's the way he is, and he is what he is. And every, everyone wants to see him you know, get knocked out, but he he did well to come back from it. Uh, I think Luke Campbell just missed his opportunity, you know, to get him out of there. He was he was really hurt in there. Was it a mischance by Luke Campbell? That was the time to put the foot to the floor and and, and try and take him out. Yeah, well, I don't think Luke realized how hurt he was, and. Luke being a, you know, Luke's not an aggressive style of fighter. He's a standoff fighter, so it wouldn't be in his nature, you know, just like to be aggressive and come forward. But, uh, it's just his, his style of fighting. If it had been Javante Davis, I think he would have been out of there because of his style is aggressive, aggressiveness. Uh, I think, you know, or even, even TFM Lopez, he would have been gone. What about Mr. Yeah, Tennyson? Do you think he'd have a... If he, if he could oh, put Tennyson would have had him out. Even if it had been me, I would have... You know, they would have been carrying him out in that throne. They carried him in and would have got him out. <laughs> there was a few thoughts went through my mind. Could we ever see the likes of Stevie or Aaron McKenna been carried in on a throne? I don't think it's ever going to happen, is it? <laughs> oh, no. no. Nah, that there, that there he, look, he looked like a fool, so he did. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. He hasn't did anything. In boxing, the old uh, be a king, so I don't know what he's at doing that. It's going to be... um. It's going to be a very, very interesting one to watch and see because they're going to plot it. I don't believe for a minute that we'll see uh, him take, fight Tank Davis next. I don't believe that for a minute. I think, I think in his head maybe yeah, bring it on and all that. But I think management wise, they'll know the move. They've the golden goose now. They'll have him to shake it up. And I think along with, along with himself, and there's a new face and a new wave, I suppose, of boxing. And whether we old school like it or not, it's it, it is going that way, isn't it? We're going to probably see the WBC introduce a YouTube belt I'd say over the next while as well. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. But for you lads Yeah it, go ahead. Yeah, a lot of these big fights, you know, they're all starting to happen now since the pandemic, especially, you know, the fighters are 
are starting to fight each other and it's it's like the old time boxing where everyone fought the best and weren't afraid to fight each other. I went through a, a patch there, you know, when Mayweather was the top top dog, uh, they wouldn't fight each other or the people were picking and choosing fights. But now big fights are starting to happen and it's exciting for boxing because there's a lot of big names coming up and a lot of fans are getting interested in it, in it even more. Yeah, no, you're right, and and it's it's this is the time when the when the when the when you can see the the real fighters are stand out from the rest. It's a, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of names. I'm just going through here this morning. I went up in and I'm just looking, thinking, oh, I want to see him soon. I want to see him soon. You kind of hope, and you, you don't want them to be out idle for too long because it's it's not a good feeling. Um, just from your point of view, and and on that, Aaron. And the both of you, but what I'm saying, for when, when you have been out for that little while, I know you guys are confident, you know the work you do, it, it, there's not, but is there a small little part of a fighter's mindset where it, it comes at times, are we ever going to get back in here? Is it, is it, uh, is it, how long is this going to go on for? Or are we always confident with the team in the background that it'll come eventually? Yeah, well, my mindset throughout this whole lockdown this last year was that I could have a fight coming up, like within, a couple of months so I always wanted to stay ready just in case that I was fighting so I, we we trained away and that's the way we, we want to do it we always want to stay in shape because we never knew when the call up was going to be and thankfully we got it and you did a bit of work with Tenny as well for his fight that was a sensational performance so it's been it's been in a year when most people were stood still or paused you lads were <laughs> it was probably as busy as ever wasn't it by the time it finished up yeah well when most people didn't have a gym to train at, we luckily we did. We had one at the back of the house, so it was basically like a normal training camp for us. We didn't miss out on anything, and over the last year, I grew and developed a lot more power, and I'm starting to fill out more, so I learned a lot yeah. um, over the last year. And props to, to Dad there and Fergal and Coach. He, he wears many hats, and I'm sure at this stage, we're probably due to get a pilot's license to, to be able to get you across and back with the amount of air miles that are going to come up. But no, of course, it's it's um it's incredible, and there's not very many, if any, fighters would have had those um facilities and those. I won't say luxuries because they're they're hard earned and hard got, so well earned as well. But uh, they're paying dividends now, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh it was great like that our dad built this over the years for us and it's great to have him behind us he drives us on and uh, that's why we're so focused and determined to reach the top and uh, listen anyone there's a lot of new eyes came this year lads um i know you, you you developed a fan over there and johnny across the water done a little bit of work with him and uh, did great work and pushing you as well but there's a lot of new eyes came to whatever about boxing but certainly came to the mckenna brothers over the last few weeks and months without digging too deep can we hope to see early in the new year have you have you is there stuff going on or, or is there anything you can talk about well uh, i'm just training away anyway hopefully i just get, i'll take any fight that comes my way um if we can't get back to america again i'd like to fight in england again if i could get the chance so i just you know me i, I just like fights and i'll train away and i'll be ready whatever yeah I, one thing to talk about uh, there's cliches and there's, there's phrases that are bandied about but old school fighters will fight anybody anywhere and that's the one thing that they always come with, with Aaron that anyone asks you he'll fight anybody anywhere and that's that's the one thing you can say about and deliver too so hats off to you for that just the last thing I'll say to you the difference uh, you've heard many different opinions on the bubble and the crowd and the, or the lack of how different is it and how did you guys find it I find it all right. You just when we got there, we just we got tested, and then that was us in the bubble. And then you're just around the hotel a lot, but um, and then we fought with no crowd. But I didn't find it too bad. Like I, I like uh, hearing my punches when I'm landing them. When I landed that good body shot, I like uh, hearing nice. them do, mate. <laughs> yeah, but of course it'll be great to have the fans back uh, to have that atmosphere and. It's always nice to have the fans there too. And what about yourself, Steve? Did it, did, was it uh, much the same for yourself? Is it is it a massive difference? I suppose, I know, chatting to Dave Caldwell and a few lads, the biggest part and the hardest part for them is the 24 hours before and when they're stuck in the room on their own and they're trying to occupy themselves. Yeah, it'd be boring just sitting in the hotel, but you have to you know, stay focused and be ready for your fight. But uh, in, in the ring, you don't really notice once you step through them ropes, you have a job to do, so... You just stay focused, and every shot you you throw, you can hear them landing and hear the winces, and 
you can hear everything really, and uh, it's a lot more clear. You know, you can think. Do you think, think that's the one thing? I I wanted to put that to you. That's the I won't say the one thing, but one of the things that fans of every level notice when they hear see you guys fight. The sound of the shots. It's like, it's like, a, it's, they're almost like little gun cracks going off. And then, it, whether people realize it or not, they play a part in a fighter's psyche. So they're hearing these things, they're seeing the effect. Those fellas you were in with, they were there to last. They were there to, they don't, they don't go out easy, but they, they went out. So you're sending a very clear signal and you must be really excited now to have the new, new pieces in place and, and look forward to what's, what's coming. Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm looking forward to a big year and it's going to be, Big fights are going to be coming to, I'm going to be involved in big fights on Channel 5 and it's going to attract a lot of attention and it's going to be great for my fan base to build, you know, fighting here in the UK and in, and in Ireland, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, no doubt about it, mate. And I always say about title. I always say about genuine champions and all that. It's not about titles or belts or 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 images or anything else. It's about or how many followers you've got or anything like that. It's about what there's champ, being a champion brings a whole lot more to it to me and to real genuine f- fight fans. And I think lads, what you've shown over the last few weeks and months to young Irish fighters coming up. I, and maybe not so young either, but people that are watching, it's an attitude, it's an approach, it's how you carry yourself in times that aren't as easy as others. It's all very well to be positive and good when things are going well, but the way you've carried the flag, picked it up and drove it forward and moved the line again, it's a credit to you and, and to your dad and to the team and everyone in the background. Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much for looking forward as well. We're just, well, I'm, I'm 23 and Aaron's still 21 and we're only going to get better. And once once we get up to world level, and talk about world how happy he was, it's going to be really exciting. That's when you're really it tells you this: it does most definitely play on the lads' minds. No matter how strong they are, no matter how good, no matter how talented, there is that question in the back of their mind. Great to see Stevie feel feel it the same as most fans did. The emotion, the importance, and the relevance of of the two of them appearing on a live card together. It was a question I asked him that long ago, and of course the the, the ongoing slagging between United and Liverpool. It's kind of ironic the way the results have gone since I chatted to them last and the way the result in particular went to Mother of God against Brighton. That's about it for me and them until then. Thanks a million for taking the time to listen. As I said, many other weeks, it'd be absolutely brilliant if you could leave a little review, if you could subscribe, and it'd be even better if you could share it and recommend it. But the fact that you've taken the time to listen to give me the privilege and the pleasure of being in your ear for this episode means more than most people know. Next up is Jazza Dickens, and the good news is we're about ready to get into the studio. Just got to get the internet connected, and it's all go from there. So stay safe, stay sane, smile. All's well that ends well.